And uh, we're going to start looking um, this morning. I've got um, the first two letters in Revelation here, but I don't wonder whether we maybe just focus on one. We'll see how time goes, um, particularly with the songs that we've been singing this morning about first love. Let's say uh, read first then from Revelation chapter 2 the first letter to um, the church and the, the church in Ephesus. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks amongst the seven gold stands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the creation, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right hand to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. Just as a bit of an introduction, um, as we will read through these letters, I, I come to the conclusion that um, I think refer to the spirit that we find. Is my mic fading in the boat? It's in as far as it will go. At least at my strength anyway. Anybody else want to try? Uh, maybe the batteries are going down. We'll see. Batteries They... I believe the angels are actually refer back to the sevenfold um, nature of the Holy Spirit that we find in Isaiah. And each of these letters, as I've been reading them, um, will bring out an aspect of the sevenfold spirit. I think this one particularly um, is the Spirit of the Lord. And the language of the actually is, is similar to what we find God talking to um, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And it goes right back to the beginning. Um, God created Adam and Eve for what? Communion. That's a good word. Relationship. Intimacy. If you remember when God created Adam and Eve, what would he do? He would come and walk in the garden, their first love. And as they worked and as they toiled in the garden, the garden would grow and they would produce fruit. And this is what the angel is commending this church for. They've worked hard. They've toiled. They've persevered. They've had patience. Now, everybody who loves gardening knows we need patience when we garden. And then the fruit appears. And when God created Adam and Eve, He created them to have this intimate relationship. And when He created you and I, 
He created us initially to have this intimate relationship. Where he would come and he would walk in the garden with us. He created us to walk in the garden. He created us to walk in the journey of life with us. He created us for intimacy. He created us to love and for us to love him. Do you know the word Ephesus means pleasure and delight? Do you know that God delights in you? He takes pleasure in being with you. He takes pleasure in you communing with Him. He takes great delight in you having an intimate relationship with Him. The church in Ephesus, they worked hard. They toiled. They were really good at weeding out these false prophets. They had persevered. They had patience. But what was lost is their first love. What they'd lost was that intimate relationship with a heavenly father who all he wanted to do was spend time with his children. All he wants to do is to commune with you, to, I love that word, commune, to have this relationship that goes both ways, our love for him, his love for us. You know, we can work hard. We can do all the right things. We kind of touched on it a little bit the last time. We can do all the right things. We can look as if we're doing all the right things to worship, to preaching, to clubs, to children's work, to Sunday school, to youth work, to community work. We can look as if we are doing all the right things. But I want to tell you something. God's not interested in that. God's interested in your heart. God's interested in intimate relationship with you. Because you see, I can walk up the, down the streets of Nelson here and find other people that do exactly all these things. They do the clubs. They look after people. They look after homeless. They feed homeless. They have social clubs that people go to. And if that is all we are doing, then we have nothing but what they have. There's no difference. See, God's not interested. God created Adam and Eve, first of all, for nothing else but relationship. Now, having said all that, the Bible also talks about faith without works is what? It's dead. But where does the work come from? Does it come from a sense of duty? Does it come from a sense of this will get me better reward with God? That's how I used to feel. Way back as a young Christian, I thought the harder I served and the, the more I served, the harder I 
or the better God would think of me. And then I realized that God's not really that interested in what I do for him. He's interested in this, in our hearts. You see, the, the Ephesian church was great at doing all the stuff that, that we do. They, was, they were great. They even had such great theology, they were able to weed out all these false apostles. And they hated the Nicolaitans. The, now, the Nicolaitan people, they were people that compromised. So they would do one thing and then do another. And God would be one thing to them one time and another thing to another time. They were full of compromise. And these church, the church in Ephesians, why wow, they hated them. They hated them. And God, in, in writing this letter, the angel commends them for it. Because that, they, those bits, they had right, but God's not interested. God wants this. You know, sometimes we think we can have our theology all wrapped up. And I think I said the last time I was here, I think I, I feel now that I know less than I thought I knew years ago. And it's a great place to be because every day I'm discovering something new. It's a journey of discovery. It's a journey of love, falling in love with Jesus again. See, God said, the angel said to the church in Ephesus, I've seen all your work. I've seen your toil. I've seen your perseverance. I've seen that you have great theology and can weed out all these nasty apostles that come along and try and lead you in the wrong way. I've seen all that. But I'm not satisfied. Because you've lost your first love. And it's like Adam and Eve in the garden. They walked with God. They communed with him. They had intimate relationship with him. They loved him. He loved them. And then one day, he came into the garden and couldn't find them. Why? They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the minute they did that, the relationship was gone. The minute they did that, the intimacy was gone. They were ashamed. They felt ashamed in the garden. God didn't create them so he could work for them or serve them, serve him. That's not why he created us. We are here to have a relationship with Jesus. We are here to live our life in relationship with Jesus. It's not about how many day, times a day we pray. It's not about having an hour of quiet time every day and then thinking that's all, that's it. I used to get so guilty as a young Christian because I thought, Every single Christian spent an hour or more on their knees praying every day and reading the Word. And I used to get so guilty because I could never, ever live up to that standard. I've learned over the years that there are many other Christians just like me who don't do that. I've also learned over the years 
that actually God's more interested in this than me on my knees and reading my Bible. And I say that candidly, very carefully, because it's as we read the Word we get to know who God is. It's as we read the Word we get to know who Jesus is. Somebody once said to me, if you want to really know who Jesus was, read the red letters. You see, Jesus is the full embodiment of God in human form. We've said this before. He is God in human form. If we want to get to know God, read what Jesus said. Read about his life. Read the Gospels. See, God for me is about a relationship that doesn't happen just one hour a day. It doesn't happen just on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night or whenever we gather together to worship. And sometimes we can do all these things, but this here isn't right. This here isn't right. And I've come to learn that God doesn't point his finger down at me from high up on above and say, you didn't have your quiet time today. You naughty man. Because you see, every time I'm in the car, every time I'm walking, every time I'm just doing something, I'm communing with God because I'm talking to him all the time. I have conversations with him. I read and I study the Word. Yes, I do. But that's not what gets me that intimate relationship. Talking with Him. Relating with Him. Adam and Eve walked in the garden. They talked with Him all the time. They communed with Him. It's not about what we do. Because we can do all this stuff, but our hearts are not right. And that was the problem with the Ephesian church. The Ephesian church had a whole load of stuff they were doing right. They had a whole load of things that were, they, were, they were doing really, really well. And God said to them, but you've lost your first love. You've lost your first love. I wonder where you are at today. I wonder where you're at today, sitting in your seat. You see, we can lead worship, but our heart isn't right. We can sing worship, but our heart isn't right. We can pray for people, but our heart isn't right. We can put our hands up in the air and worship God, but our heart isn't right. You see, this letter, I think, the angel of the Spirit of the Lord reveals to us that we can cut paradise out of our lives because when the dark times come, if this isn't right, our lives will be going like this. When the dark times come and when the hard times come in our lives and God seems so, so far away, 
and the dark places surround our lives, if this isn't right, our faith will go like that. Do you ever remember Terry Waite? Does that name ring a bell to anybody? Terry Waite. Terry Waite was uh, the envoy for the Church of England to the Lebanon many, many, many years ago. And he got captured by, um, by uh, rebels. And he was imprisoned for, I think it was, I don't know, I'm not going to even guess, but he was imprisoned for a whole load of years. Can anybody, does anybody know the story? Could you, can, yeah? This guy had no Bible. He wasn't allowed access to a Bible. He wasn't allowed access to public worship. He was kept imprisoned for years and years. And when he was released, he was asked, what was it that kept you going? And it was my faith were the words he used. You see, where would we be if we didn't have a church service? Where would we be if we didn't have Bibles? There are many, many, many parts of the world today that don't have Bibles in their hands. Does that mean they're condemned? Does that mean they don't know God? One of the fastest growing churches in the world today is the church in, I heard somebody say it, yeah, China. And what they do, because they don't all have Bibles, is they just have little pieces, they have pages that they share with everybody, just single pages that they share with those that don't have Bibles. See, the Ephesian church knew all this stuff. They knew, but yet they didn't. They knew, but yet they didn't. They knew how to serve God. They knew how to be great people. They knew how to do the right things, but yet they didn't know Jesus. They'd lost their first love. And it's like Adam and Eve in the garden. When they, ate, when they ate of that tree, they lost their first love. They lost the love of walking with God in the garden. But yet, at the end of that letter, there's a promise. At the end of that letter, there's a promise that if we eat of the right tree, the tree of life, then paradise will be restored. You see, it's not about what we do. It's not about leading worship. It's not about preaching. It's not about looking as if you're the right kind of person. It's not about doing our good deeds. It's about this. It's about this. And being able to commune with God on an hourly, on a minute basis every day. Having conversation with God all the time. As a young Christian, I was told, you must read your Bible every day. 
spend at least an hour reading it and praying. The, you know, the difficult thing about that is you can do that and nothing ever happens. You can do that every single day and you still don't fall in love with God. Now, I'm not standing up here saying you shouldn't do it because that's equally untrue. But what I'm saying is if this bit isn't right, if you haven't been introduced to Jesus, then you can do all that stuff and none of it will make any difference to our heart relationship with our God. Jesus is about our hearts. Jesus is about having that place where all our lives are consumed by him. Somebody once said to me, as I was standing on the, we'd just come back from a conference, and uh, we were new Christians, and we'd just come back from, we have a, a series of Christian gatherings over in the UK called Spring Harvest. And they happen every Easter time where thousands and thousands of Christians get together and celebrate and worship and have different seminars and just have a holiday. It's just like a big holiday. And uh, we'd just come back from there and uh, we were really all excited and really, we'd seen some amazing stuff going on. And we were full of fire and passion. And somebody stood on the church steps uh, outside after the service and, and, and said these words to me. You remind me of my husband eight years ago. And I made a promise to God that I did never, ever, ever wanted somebody to say that about me. Now, I haven't kept that promise, but that's my heart. Because you see, God's looking for this 100%. Not just the bits, it's easy to give God, you know, it's easy to give God the bits that we want to give Him. It's easy. You know, we can give him our money. We can give him our service. We can give him our works. And then he comes to us and says, but I want everything. I want your entire heart. I want your passion for me to consume every minute of your day. Every second of your day. I want your entire life to be about me. Because that's what I gave you. And then that is where our works will come from. James says faith without works is dead. He doesn't, mean to, he doesn't say works without faith is dead. Because you see, if we are consumed in our hearts for Jesus, if Jesus consumes us, then works will flow. These things will flow from there. So often we get that mixed up and we say, if we work hard at being good people, then Jesus will flow from us. It's the wrong way around. The way it needs to be is Jesus consumes every part of our being and then the works will flow from that. Jesus consumes us with love and then our love rise, his love rises up within us and we, we serve because 
He loved us and we love him. And then we become Jesus to our community. Everywhere we are. We talked about this a little bit last year. In our work. In our workplace. You see, we don't have to be in full-time ministry. I hate this full-time thing. Because actually, we're all in it. We don't have to go to Bible college in order to serve God. We don't have to go to learn or to be part of a team or anything to serve God. So often we, we bring pastors and people into church and then we just kind of leave it all to them. I want to encourage you that when Jeff comes here, that is not the way he needs to be treated. Just because he gets paid for what he does does not mean to say that you cannot leave him to do all the work. We can be Jesus in every single place we walk into. We talked about changing the atmosphere of the place that we walk into because we bring the light into the darkness. And as soon as the light comes in, the darkness flees. The church in Ephesus had lost that. They'd lost their light. Let Jesus consume you today. Let Jesus consume your heart and see the change that it will bring in your lives. Eat of the right tree. You know, we can be right. We can work hard. We can toil, we can labor. But if we've lost our first love, if we have lost our motivation, then all these things will bear no fruit. These things need to come from, first of all, a place of intimacy with Christ. A place where He becomes your everything a place where he is your everything, a place where you allow his, his love to consume you. And that doesn't mean to say we all go off into full-time full -time ministry, but we are full-time ministers in every place we're in because of what Jesus has done. And he gave a promise to the church in Ephesian, Ephesian, Ephesus, Ephesian, <laughs> Ephesus, that if you eat of the tree of life, that's the place to start. You will get back to your first love. I want to encourage you this morning to not focus so much on the work that you do or the service that you, you do or the things that you do for God, but to focus on your relationship with Him. Focus on your relationship with Jesus. This discovery journey that I've been on for the past couple of years now is helping me to fall in love with Jesus again. It's a hard journey, as I've talked about before. 
because you have to peel back a whole load of stuff. It's like peeling an onion. Layers and layers and layers and layers of stuff that has been built up around me until you get to the heart. That's where Jesus wants to be, in your heart. In your heart. That's what he said to the church in Ephesus. We've sung songs today with those words in it, our first love. I want to ask you this morning, is that true for you? You've sung the words, is it true in your heart? I want to encourage you this morning to eat of the tree of life. Ask Jesus to relight the fire. In the UK, we call that putting a match under your rear end, but we won't do that. But relight the fire in your heart. Ask him to do it. Ask him to relight your fire. Ask him to bring your passion back. Ask him to reinvigorate you, re-envision you, re-passion you about Jesus. Ask him to take over your entire life. Ask him to take over everything that you are. And watch him change your life. Watch him change your life. Then we can become the light of the world. Then we become the light in the community. Then we become the light in the darkness. The church in Ephesus had lost its first love. I want to encourage you this morning to get back to your first love. Get back to your first love. Who has it changed your life? Who has it changed your life? The Lord of hosts. Jesus, the King of kings. Jesus, lover of my soul. Get back to your first love. And watch him change your life. Just going to pray as the worship team come up. Thank you for those songs today, by the way. Inspirational. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, I just want to pray that if there are people here this morning whose fire has gone out, If there are people here this morning that don't even know Jesus, then I pray this morning you would light something in their hearts. For those whose passion has gone, for those whose fire has gone out, Lord, would you fan the flame of your Holy Spirit? Fan the flame that would relight the fire in our hearts. Jesus, will you come this morning and consume every part of our being? 
that every step we take, that every word we say, that every moment of every day is about falling in love with you over and over again. I pray for those here today as well that might have struggled with some of the things that the past has taught them. That the more we work, the more we serve, the better you think of us. I want to call that for the lie that it is. And I want to call it out of their lives today. Because it's a lie. It's not what your word teaches. Father, would you help us to eat of the right tree? The tree of life. Jesus, bring life. Bring life. Bring light into the dark places. Bring life into the dead places. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We love you, Lord. We love you. Jesus.